You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. So, we are not that optimistic about our possibilities. I don't know if you know that, but not every child in Poland hears that they can be anything they want to. We don't hear that. We don't trust that. We don't believe that. We just think life is hard. No, no funny business at the end, but uh, you know, at the end it will be good. Just, just life is hard. Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I'm your host, Katie Weber. I was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 45 and it completely turned my world upside down. I've been looking back at so much of my life school, jobs, my relationships, all of it with this new lens, and it has been nothing short of overwhelming. I quickly discovered I was not the only woman to have this experience, and now I interview other women who, like me, discovered in adulthood they have ADHD and are finally feeling like they understand who they are and how to best lean into their strengths, both professionally and personally. I'd like to share with you this review from a listener called A Mandates on the Apple Podcast platform in Canada. It's called, I don't feel like a total failure anymore. I was diagnosed in my late thirties when my six-year-old was diagnosed. I found your podcast shortly after, and I honestly am emotional just talking about how it changed my internal thinking about myself. I always thought I was not smart, flighty, forgetful, and anxious. I feel empowered knowing that I am not defined by those things anymore. Aw, now I'm emotional thinking about how transformative this diagnosis journey can be. If you know, you know, am I right? I'm sending you a virtual hug right now, and I am just so glad this has been your experience and that these conversations have been helpful in this way. Okay, here we are at episode 105, in which I interview Paulina Chelstowska. I'm sorry if I butchered that, Paulina. Paulina is a social worker and a soft skills trainer and facilitator living in Poland. She specializes in using games as tools for team building and education, working mostly with underprivileged youth at risk of exclusion and in foster care. And she advocates for play as a fundamental human right. She is also the host of a Polish language podcast about women and ADHD. Paulina and I talk about the myth of laziness, as well as some of the unique differences between the Western and Slavic perspectives on ADHD, especially in women. Paulina is so expressive and perceptive, and I just know you are going to love this interview. Enjoy. Well, Paulina, thank you so much for reaching out and for joining me. I'm super excited. I, um, you're obviously my first guest from Poland, and I'm going to pepper you with questions about your perspective and the Slavic perspective. Uh, but before we do that, I want to hear about your own diagnosis journey. How old were you when you were first diagnosed with ADHD and kind of what was happening in your own life that really led you to start connecting the dots and thinking I should 
I should look into this. Well, a meme. A meme. <laughs> so basically, you know, uh, like every millennial uh, in this world, I just self-diagnosed through a meme. I found a meme um, from ADHD alien. It's usually she's drawing comic books, comic strips in uh, two side panels. And she was just describing the difference between how it looks like and what it is. So something that looks like procrastination for ADHD years is decision paralysis. For something that looks like being very chaotic for us is being just very interested and very passionate about something. So I just, you know, the whole panel just spoke to me and I immediately thought, well, yeah, that that's the answer. And um, that was winter of 2019. I was 32. I was pregnant with my second child. And I kind of froze when I realized what this means. And then I went to my husband and I said, I think I have ADHD and I started crying and he was he was amazing he just asked me very gently if I'm just sad about what my life could have been and I said yes so it was a very you know sweet moment and then and then I uh, uh, in the evening I went to my um, chosen family, cho my chosen parents, because I was um, vacationing at their house and they're both psychologists. And I asked them, do they think that diagnosis process makes any sense when I'm pregnant? Like, is pregnancy brain not a good moment to take a diagnosis process? And they were asking, what do you think you have? And I said, I think I have ADHD. And I said, <laughs> no. You don't have it. You have everything else, but you don't have that. <laughs> so, you know, uh, that was a shot in the face, let's say. Uh, so I just decided not to talk about this uh, to them. But from this mo from the moment I, I saw this meme, I was sure. I didn't need anything else. And everything, every other step I was taking on my way I was just you know learning more about something I was already sure about this this one piece of information was enough I obviously went through a, a moment of or many many moments of you know feeling like maybe I'm wrong when I maybe I'm making this up so you know the famous when I'm doubting my diagnosis is oh uh, oh uh, imposter syndrome yeah, the impost so famous imposter syndrome. I went through that, and I went for a, a consultation, psychiatric consultation. I think maybe three months after, and the lady said, "Yeah, you you do have ADHD, but I will not give you meds because you're pregnant, and that affects the baby. That affects you know, lactation. You cannot um, take meds while you're pregnant or when you are uh, breastfeeding." And now I know I that that was not true. Uh, now I know I could have taken it, but I don't think I would have because I just knew there was so many things happening with me that adding another factor that might change everything, even if it's the change for a better, I, I just 
kind of want to hold on to things I, I know. So I wouldn't have taken it anyways. So that was fine. Plus, that was 2019. And, you know, I had my child uh, at the beginning of uh, famous t- 2020. <laughs> and hence, you know, the pandemic and being closed off in our homes. Uh, so that was the last thing on my mind, you know, taking meds and, and, you know, taking care of my mental health when, you know, the world is falling apart. Uh, but I revisited the idea uh, after the pandemic was, well, maybe not over, but heading towards better phase. Not the phase where nobody knows anything, but just, <laughs> you know, we kind of go towards finding a cure right uh and that coincided with me going back to school because i do not have master's degree i don't have a bachelor's degree and in my bubble in my let's say social group that's unheard of you're either lazy or stupid if you don't have at least bachelor's degree just a high school diploma that's nothing so I was um, very much hesitant towards the idea of going back to school for the third time, because that would be my third try, and it still is, because I'm still in school. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I will. Uh, that will be the last one. But I was discussing it with my husband, and I was thinking, you know, this thing in the back of my head that is, you know, turning into my hyper-focus and my hobby and my whole life, you know, just reading on ADHD, maybe this is the, the good time to look into meds as a means to help me focus and, you know, go through the horror <laughs> of school again. Because I have very, very, tra- very, maybe not traumatic, but bad experiences with school and academia and, and all of that. Same. I would call it traumatic for sure. <laughs> yeah. So basically, I went for an official diagnosis this time. I got meds and I started them. And, uh, you know, so far so good. But I would say, you know, the me- it's not just the meds that keep me in school, but also, you know, the therapeutic process and also finding the community and many, many, many ways that this community is supporting me and my, and my mental health and just, you know, me not going completely bananas with everything that's going on. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I I also uh, I've gone back to school and you know, a lot of it is because of the fact that I never thought I would go back and get my masters uh because I barely graduated from the skin of my teeth and I just, you know, always felt like I was you know, wasn't smart enough for school and had to deal with that stigma, that internalized stigma of the fact that I'm just not smart. And it's through this diagnosis that I've gotten the courage to go back, but also remembering how academia is a disaster. <laughs> it's really difficult to like navigate all of the the administration. And, you know, there's so many things that I'm refusing this time around to like 
just try to white knuckle it through like I did last time. Like I'm, I'm really trying to like make sure I get accommodations. I'm in constant contact with the disability resource center. And I really like trying to look out for myself in that way. But at the same time, like it's really hard. Like it's so, there's so much paperwork and there's so much administrative bullshit that like, I just, it's, I'm like, why am I doing this? Academia is really unfriendly to me and my brain. And it's not a reflection of how smart I am or how not, but I really stubbornly, I'm like you, I'm like, fingers crossed. I just want to get through this uh, and, and be kinder to myself. Right. Like, I think that's the thing that's been different this time around. And, and think about it. Like in America, you are kind of, you know, like a hub of avant-garde of people that know about ADHD, like so many resources and so many research is done in America. And, and still, you know, the academia is so much far behind what we know. So you can imagine what happens here. But I'm fortunate to have picked, and that was maybe not a coincidence, but kind of a coincidence that I picked a very disability-friendly school. Uh, so they do have the center uh, for disability and you know ADHD is miraculously part you know a reason to be registered there but so far I just wrote them and that's it like nothing happened because of paperwork I plus I'm also a weekend student that was the only way I was going to graduate because I knew if you know uh, one day you're going for 8 a.m. and another one is for 5 p.m. and another day is just two hours here, two hours there. I would die and could not work and could not raise my children. Uh, so weekend studies are my only option. And that goes with another kind of stigma because there is a stigma that only the people that have the worst grades ever but they still want to graduate from uh, from university, then they go to weekend school. So that's another load of stigma uh, there. Yeah. Well, and I think it's been really difficult to like really internalize that this is a disability. I think that's something that you kind of have to come to on your own, like to acknowledge that you've been diagnosed with a disability and that you are entitled to help. And I think because we've spent so much of our lives, at least I have, thinking I'm just lazy or what's wrong with me, I could just do it if I just like sat down and figured it out. It's really difficult for me to embrace the disability in this way, you know, as a, even though I talk about it constantly and, you know, I'm very open about it, just I'm finding it really difficult to acknowledge that I am disabled and therefore because of this disability, I. I am worthy of how, you know, like that, that it's a right that I have. And I think that's something like a mental hurdle that uh, I'm, I'm trying to get over. And I'm sort of yeah, surprised like by we, when you think disabled person, you don't see yourself. Yeah, you, you kind of have to make that. But, you know, just knowing internally that you do have those moments of and spurs of intelligence and energy and everything you think i maybe i can summon it somehow somehow and you know just just uh, accepting that you can't and that you might just need help and maybe that's okay that's an uphill battle in in itself but i don't even see adhd as a disability i mean it is disabling in this world but i more thinking that this civilization is just disabling our ways of 
living, our ways of thinking and our ways of acting and achieving things. You know, I put the disordered part on the world and civilization more than on myself. I, I also, through this um, project, I, uh, through this project of podcasting, but also through the community on, on Facebook, I met people that are completely 100% fine with their brains and not as a rebellion. They're just fine. They're okay. They have self-worth and self-esteem, both of them. So it's possible. So it is possible to function in the world with ADHD and uh, just not be struggling. But if you do, just definitely go to go get help. Go get anything that, that helps you because we are worth it. Right. Yeah. Going back to the emotional element of, of the diagnosis in the beginning, I remember my therapist saying to me, you know, that you've been walking around with a brick tied to your ankle this whole, your whole life. And in the beginning, you know, I, it's just that realization over and over and over again, and all these different elements of my life, like it's including school, you know, realizing how that brick still follows me, (laughs) follows me around. And, but it's true. Like there's, the brick, like you said, is the disability is in relation to the environment. It's not, it's not like the brick is there all the time. The brick is only there when you're in certain situations that are completely unaccommodating to who you are and how you think. And um, so it is difficult to kind of think of this in terms of a constant disability, because I think that's, you're right, we, we think of disabilities as being irreversible or, or you know, unmanageable. Or something inherently gives you a disadvantage. And ADHD might give you disadvantage in an, this, in an environment that just doesn't let you be ADHD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Uh, it is, it is so emotional. I'm getting really emotional right now. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, that might be me. I'm an open wound. Like, <laughs> sorry, man. No, I'm just, I, I get, you know what? When I'm interviewing people on my podcast, I'm crying like minimal three times during every conversation like I was crying when I was listening to your podcast like sometimes I had to stop the car and cry and then keep going then I was you know sometimes people are talking to me and I'm just showing them to keep talking but then I'm like crying really (laughs) really silently so the mic doesn't get the the sound no I'm an open woman like I don't know what's happening but last few months was just Oh my God, because the podcast is very new and, you know, it's a budding project, like it's less than two months. The, you know, the scope of emotions I'm I'm experiencing, I'm starting to realize that maybe that's why I'm just, it's, I'm on the verge of crying all the time, basically. So I might be, you know, putting that on you a little bit. Well, and I think it says, like you said, when you are going down these rabbit holes and you're feeling so deeply seen by ADHD literature, ADHD memes, whatever it is, like there is that feeling like I relate so deeply to this pain and this this emotional element that like that speaks for itself when it comes to questioning the diagnosis, right? Yes, this relief, this this just profound deep relief like to the core of your soul like 
finally I can like it's a tense muscle that for a second you can let go of obviously you have to tense it up while you, while you go back out there but you can let go of it for just this two or three seconds and just oh my mm. god yeah but then also realizing like I didn't realize how much I was struggling until I started thinking about ADHD and all of the various ways in which it had affected me over the course of my life and realizing like you said like there's that grief like I looking back and thinking I, I could have had a different life but also just like getting hit with that realization of how difficult my life had been, you know, and I, I hadn't acknowledged how much I had been struggling uh, until I was able to kind of within the safety of, of this diagnosis. And yeah, I, oh my God, I cried so much when I was diagnosed all the time uh, for that same reason of just like, God, yeah, God, my life was really hard. And I finally was able to acknowledge it, I think, in a way that was not filled with self-blame, right? That it wasn't filled with like, oh, it was this I brought this on myself, that maybe I wasn't the problem all along. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, the grief comes in waves and I just have, you know, each wave is a different color. And I just deal with them as they come and, and they go. Uh, just uh, recently, I, I I saw another comic book that said that we are on the receiving end of uh, undeserved privileges and undeserved traumas. So that kind of made me feel better because I'm, uh, I'm also very prone to feeling guilty. Uh, and uh, it's very, very easy to make me feel guilty about something or responsible for something that I might not be responsible for. So, you know, I'm, I'm in a constant state of thinking am i using my privileges to the best ability i can to you know help those without those privileges so that kind of made me feel better because it was traumatic not to get you know the the recognition the the diagnosis all the help that i could have get but i also got so many privileges on the other side that it kind of for me, for this one moment in this particular wave of grief, it kind of helped me because I'm I'm constantly thinking how can I help people around me, and I'm I think that kind of balances it out for me. You know, the another wave of grief will be a different color, so I'll have to figure something out then. But right now, I'm you know uh, surfing this wave. Now you mentioned your your um surrogate parents the psychologist said you have everything else but not ADHD. <laughs> what what did they mean by that? I I'm not sure. I think they meant anxiety because I I'm very very anxious person. I'm afraid of everything. I think of plan B and C and uh, you know D and X and Y and Z. Uh so maybe they meant anxiety. I that's the thing as well. I don't blame the, I don't blame them anymore. Let's say I was kind of upset about this, but I'm not anymore. And I also talked about this with them that you know it it was hurtful, and that's why I did not talk to them about this topic for a year after that. Uh, but we're cool now. Um, it's just not their specialty, and they don't know. And you know the. The base level knowledge of ADHD is so low that I, I don't even have 
the expectations anymore of anyone knowing anything. I just, you know, assume everybody knows nothing. And if anybody knows anything, I'm just glad I, I just treat this as a bonus. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's smart. I definitely have that same sort of self, uh, I guess, uh, boundaries or that, you know, like self-protection, right? When it comes to talking about it and who I talk about it with, because it is so deeply disappointing to uh, realize how misunderstood it is with so many people who I'm close to in my life that I'm like, I think for the benefit of our relationship, we just need to never talk about this. And that, and that realization, like as much as I want people to understand what I'm going through, like, uh, it's my journey, it's my personal journey. And, um, and I, I don't really need and you are already to convince in the anyone, right? Yeah. You, you are already pushing the boundaries and, and, you know, you're spreading the knowledge. So you're already doing this for, you know, in small increments for so, so many people. So you don't have to, you know, have those same battles at your house, yeah. you know, in your, in your family reunions, <laughs> right? You're, you're doing enough, let's say. So, you know, being self-protective and, um, you know, I don't know, maybe a bit coy or just, you know, leaving or ignoring the subject uh, in some moments where you <laughs> deserve peace. It's, I think that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think if people ask me what I do, if people ask me what my podcast about, I'll just say something really uncomfortable, like feminine hygiene. <laughs> They'll stop asking. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. I did not thought of that. <laughs> no, it's true. I'd like to take a moment to thank BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. If you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know I am a big proponent of therapy. Therapy provides me the best opportunity for verbal processing, something that is so important for my kind of brain and my sense of self. What I love about BetterHelp is that it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy that's done securely online from the comfort of your home. They assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's available for clients worldwide. So you get access to a broad range of expertise that might not be available to you locally. It also tends to be more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. If you visit their website and read their testimonials, there are actually quite a few reviews that specifically reference health with ADHD. As a special offer for listeners of the Women and ADHD podcast, you'll get 10% off your first month. Simply sign up at betterhelp.com slash women ADHD. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash women ADHD. And there's a link in the show notes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Any other parents out there who have struggled to instill good financial habits into their kids? I know I have. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about the sponsor of today's episode, Go Henry by Acorns, the smart debit card and app for kids 6 through 18. With Go Henry, kids can learn about money, set spending and saving goals, and even track chores and earn allowance money right within the app. They learn the value of money by using their Go Henry debit cards, while we as parents can set spend limits and help guide their journey while staying informed every step of the way. It gives me so much peace of mind to know that I'm using a smart tool to proactively teach my kids about money and prepare them for future success. Set your kids up for success and get started today at gohenry.com slash women ADHD. Again, that's gohenry.com slash women ADHD. TNCs apply, renews from $4.99 per month unless canceled. You have 
One unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic, but today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries, and with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Looking back over your childhood, so you were, I mean, you were diagnosed in such flux, right? I mean, or even just this whole journey, like being pregnant, especially with number two, I feel like, God, it's so, there's so much chaos in your life during all of that. And so much, you know, talk about crying with no reason uh, or not understanding why, you know, the emotional roller coaster. But looking back even over your childhood or some of the like points in your life where what do you look back at and think, oh, you know, the signs were clearly there all along. Just nobody knew what to look for. Everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't even know where to start uh, because my age is not silent. I definitely do have the age in ADHD, the hyperactivity. I was climbing trees. I was uh, running up the halls with all the boys uh, during school. Uh, I mean, during breaks or sometimes during lessons. Uh, I was fighting them. I was, you know, they were hitting me. I was hitting them back. I definitely was very much on the move all the time. Also, during the lessons I enjoyed, like Polish literature, I was raising my hand, but in such an expressive way that I had to be put in the back. So I was in the back so I can talk to my friend. But when the question was asked, we were both raising our hands, but then also doing the dance, like doing everything. I think she, oh my, was she ADHD as well? She might have been, anyway. Um Anyway, so so I was very, very engaged during the, those lessons that I liked and absolutely out of it during the lessons I did not like. What else? Oh, forgetfulness. You know, oh my, oh, just, I'm, I'm having flashbacks from, you know, losing permission slips and, you know, the pamphlets uh, with information about school trips. Oh, my God, this is bad. Um, yeah, so that homework, homework, that's just like a battlefield. Homework was absolutely awful. Oh, my father was 
really trying, <laughs> but he was trying in such a punitive way that I, uh, I to this day I have this uh, thing where I, uh, I cannot work um, on the computer when somebody's behind me. I, I, I hate when somebody can look yeah. at what I'm doing because I immediately feel judged. I mean, you know, I was not doing homework. He was like going in, going back, going in, going back and, you know, checking if I'm doing homework. I was coming up with ways to read comic books, but make it look like I'm doing homework <laughs> and, you know, praying that this time he just, you know, peeks through the door and not goes up to me because then he will see the comic book and oh my god the homework was just death of me everything you know but also being told that i am talented but lazy nobody had you know the language to understand why such an intelligent person would fail so badly at school N nobody could understand this they could only see that I'm reading comic books. So, yeah, so that. <laughs> um, so what was I saying? Losing stuff? Yeah, that was there. We are just talking about childhood, right? Not the early adulthood. No, I mean anything, really. It's like you go through your whole life through this new lens. I feel like high school, university, relationships, <laughs> dating... <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't get me started. Uh, no, uh, failing studies twice. I was just telling myself that I am a very passionate person that just has to be interested in what she's doing. So that's why I'm failing studies because they include some interesting courses and some non not interesting courses. Then I reframed it in, I'm a very entrepreneurial person, so I just need to be in business and actually a degree will be holding me back because it will just kill my natural creativity. You know, the mental flip-flops that I'm going through to just, you know, understand because I know I'm intelligent. Everyone tells me so. I can see the signs. I can see the proof that I'm not dumb. So it must be that I'm lazy. Just there, is, there are no other ways to understand it. But then I ended up being a, an immigrant in Canada and working so much. I was working like 12-hour shifts. Uh, physical jobs, you know, like uh, landscaping. And I was thinking, how can I be lazy? I, that's not possible. I'm waking up at 6 a.m. I'm working then one hour commuting to work, working 12 hours, door-to-door -door sales. That's a hard job. And if I manage to get a sale, then I have to work physically. And after that, a, an hour commuting back, going to sleep, it ended up being 18 hours because I was in a cope-like, almost an MLM thing with landscaping. Oh, that was oh, that was a disaster. It helped me a lot with uh, knowing how to speak to people and decoding different accents of English because I was speaking in English in an accent. 
and you know we were ending up ending up in different uh, neighborhoods so i had to speak to a lot of different people with a lot of different accents so that helped me with that but also in realizing i'm not lazy i'm i ended up i think summing this up to 18 hour shifts because then at first there was commuting then there was you know brainwashing that this is a great opportunity and we are all entrepreneurs <laughs> then 12-hour shifts, then back to brainwashing, and then back to commuting. <laughs> I, I'm kidding you not. I'm kidding you not. Jesus I want to do an entire episode on MLMs because I feel like the, I also was, I was inducted into an MLM cult and I it was so traumatizing and I feel like we are very susceptible to that oh, kind yes. of brainwashing. Oh, we're definitely, oh, we're so good at being cult uh, members. Mm -hmm. I don't think cult leaders because we're there's too much self-doubt but i think we're amazing <laughs> cult members so you know call me <laughs> uh, <laughs> no my 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 ex-husband i think he was in a cult at some point but not uh i think he had some kind of addictive personality because first he was in a cult then uh something happened and he fell into a cult of you know being an entrepreneur being a millionaire making money and then we moved to canada then he got himself into some proper addictions so you know that was that was a roller coaster of its of its own um but yeah i was i think i was craving structure and you know firing me up with all those ideas and dreams of actually being an entrepreneur making money is such a courageous way it definitely resonated with me but i was sometimes making no money for those 18 hour shifts or like 17 dollars or sometimes 300 which when you break it down it's still nothing this is nothing for 18 hours outside of your house so yeah what was the mlm you were in young living what's that it's a uh, essential oils um and it's like wrapped up in uh in like the utah um mormons and so it's got this whole religious side to it's such a disaster oh my goodness i would love to like go off for hours about my experience with young living because it was so awful but i'm really aggressively anti-mlm as a result and like uh Lord. i see how so many how long ago that was uh, that was actually just uh in 2019 and and it was sort of in the in the pandemic a little bit and it was actually right around when i was diagnosed that i was getting out of it and you know was part of the implosion because all my all of my social life was wrapped up in these women who were in this essential oils business and so when i left like i was black you know i was ghosted and and totally like blacklisted i had no friends all of a sudden and i was like oh my god what has happened like all of these women co-opted this friendship and and it was anyway <laughs> i don't even want to get it started because i literally could go on and on stay tuned okay, because i feel when like the, when the, i know right maybe i'll have you come back <laughs> but i was like i i'm i would love like i i don't know i i'm i have very little uh tolerance for uh for ml for for the defense of mlm so oh yeah i have a raider right now <laughs> jesus when anybody is is telling me remotely something that reminds me of that i'm just uh, you know, going back into being very polite and just non-speaking almost. Like, hmm? Yeah. Huh? Oh. Hmm. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but oh, you brought up something yeah. about it, about, you know, realizing that, that idea of like, that constantly feeling like we are lazy, even though there is overwhelming evidence to the contrary. And and I think you really tapped into that idea of like, I know I'm smart, but I can't figure out why I'm such a failure at life. Like, you know, just feeling like we are failures at life, even though when you really step back at it, I think, and, and you know, a diagnosis has helped me do this. Like when you step back and you look at the course of what you've actually accomplished, nobody in their right mind would ever call you lazy, except for maybe the people who are closest to you, <laughs> who have done the most damaging, right? Like your teachers and your parents and, um, or maybe your partners. But like, I think that was one of the things that really tipped off my own therapist was I was always complaining to her about what a lazy piece of shit I was. And she was like, what are you talking about? Like, she was like, how can you be lazy and also write a book? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just did. I don't know. I that was that's that was different you know and she was like look at all these businesses you've started and i was like yeah but they don't go anywhere and i like like i always had an excuse to combat the overwhelming evidence that i was not in fact lazy and i was like why was i so insistent and i think so much of that comes down to like you said like that confusion around feeling smart and yet seeming like wherever you want to be you cannot get there yeah, because there has to be a reason. They are giving you the reason, but it's not the right one. It's just there has to be a reason. And just why? Because you can, the thing is, you can see inside your head and you can see that you can move those things around. You have so much mental capacity and you know this is not a dumb person brain. And you can see yourself while hyper-focusing how much you can accomplish. So you can, you, you have the evidence that you can accomplish things, but then, you know, the self-doubt or just, I don't know, life comes in and just steps on you. I don't know. And Jesus, I, 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 that was, that was just those 18 hour shifts were just the first concrete thing I had against my grandma's voice in my head because that was mostly my grandma that was very vocal about me being lazy but you know that's a person who says well when i'm tired i just start vacuuming so my heart rate goes up <laughs> and i'm not tired anymore it's it's that easy <laughs> no but like she she wouldn't allow herself to be tired so her her voice is strongly in my head was strongly in my head about me being lazy but then i was like that, that just doesn't compute, you know, working so hard and being lazy. This, that, and that was the first thing I could really catch and, and hold on to, to just see that maybe not that I'm not lazy, but it's, it can be just that. So that was like a, a hook for me. But I was like 21, I think. So, you know, still a decade before uh, a diagnosis and, and, and some actual accomplishments because I, I, I was not accomplishing much at that moment. You know, I was failing at marriage, failing at being a millionaire entrepreneur, self-made something. So I, I did not have accomplishments, but I had some, at least some kind of real life experiences that were contradicting this laziness uh, stamp on me. Mm. Interesting. Okay, so I want to shift now to your podcast because I love I just love this so much because obviously 
feel like we have very similar path in terms of wanting to talk about this experience and wanting to talk about it through the lens of being a woman. And so, so you've started a, a podcast where you're interviewing Polish women um, about their ADHD and their ADHD diagnoses. And um, I mean, what would you, is there a different, like, do, do you find there is an overwhelming difference between how ADHD is viewed um, in Poland? I mean, are kids even diagnosed in childhood to the degree they are here? Like what's, what are some of the biggest differences you're seeing in terms of how ADHD is viewed in, uh, be as a Polish person? So that's going to be a long winded rant. <laughs> Let me just start with that. America and American scientists in Poland are viewed in two ways. It's either American scientists prove that and then, you know, some kind of truth that it's true for all eternity or all this new American thing. So basically, it's either a holy truth coming from, you know, the American scientists that there is a there is just an expression in Polish that the American scientist proves that, or all oh, this new American thing because American is is used as an adjective for something new, eccentric, kind of pretentious, maybe not very well thought out. So that's ADHD, basically. It's viewed as something new, trend, something but kind of dumb. Oh, let let's not pay attention to that. So. We're not being diagnosed. Not the kids, not the, to be honest, nobody. Like the, the, this new wave coming in, it's definitely thanks to a pandemic. I mean, like this is obviously a global uh, trauma, but thanks to a pandemic, I think there is a wave of, uh, and to the internet, obviously, the TikToks that are, you know, available and the, and the memes and everything and the podcasts. Um, this is a wave of, of diagnostics. But basically, also, I think the hierarchy of values are so, so, so different. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted to start my podcast, because I was listening to your podcast and relating hardly with so many things, but some things just did not click. For example, you were saying like, oh, the ADHD is seen as, what was the expression, not mor moral failing. Uh, we don't see it as that because I think what this is relating to is the American dream. I know you're Canadian, so I'm, I'm saying American in the meaning new world, right? Uh, so, you know, the American dream is very open about pursuit of happiness. You know, money is the way to show that God likes you. And, you know, uh, it's a repayment for your hard work. And in Poland, I feel, and I, this is my opinion, you know, I'm, Obviously, not an anthropologist. Uh, this is, you know, I, I know a bunch of stuff about a bunch of stuff, but not very much about one thing. So I'm just telling you from, from my ADHD brain how I see it from my experience. Uh, we are mistrustful towards rich people and money. Uh, this Catholic Protestant thing about money, because in, I think in Protestant culture, religion, you know, money is just a, a way, a thing to be pursued, but as a means to show that God likes you, basically. And I, th I think in Poland, the Polish version of Catholicism is like, we obviously want money, but we're kind of 
mistrustful towards people that actually succeeded. And also the word of success. I, I, I'm, I really like this uh, thinking about languages and what they convey in, in values. Because as I was thinking of success, this is not very native to me to think of success. In Polish, there is word powodzenie. Uh, so basically, I think that life in new world values is supposed to be successful. But in old world, I mean, in Poland, you are supposed to have prosperity. But prosperity is not a good word to, to say powodzenie because powodzenie is just something that happens to you. And even the, the core of the word is about leading. You are being led to something. So happiness, success, prosperity, money, wealth is everything in powodzenie that's external. It result of many factors. One of them, you being honorable, being dutiful, you being hardworking, of course, but also your family, your circumstances and just general luck. So we are not that optimistic about our possibilities. I don't know if you know that, but not every child in Poland hears that they can be anything they want to. We don't hear that. We don't trust that. We don't believe that. We just think life is hard. No, no funny business at the end, but, uh, you know, at the end it will be good. Just, just life is hard. As I also heard, was listening to podcasts uh, from my other very much beloved uh, podcaster and uh, stand-upper, Whitney Cummings, and she invited two Ukrainian women that were explaining just Slavic mentality and uh, the way of living, and it very much resonated with me because I think that the pursuit of happiness in, in Poland is covert. Or maybe just, it's not supposed to be the goal. Like my grandma, I don't think she was telling me to just find something to do to be happy. She was telling me to do things because this is my duty. You know, have good grades, uh, be hardworking and stuff like that. So happiness is kind of like byproduct. If you have it good, if you don't, doesn't matter. So, you know, with my ADHD brain... I need things to be exciting, pleasant, interesting, and it's kind of looked like a looked at like a shortcut from the universal truth that life is hard. When I think of new world and you know the hierarchy of values that I think Americans <laughs> and and just new world people are thinking of ADHD as a shortcut to success. And we think of it as a shortcut from the universal truth that life is hard. So we're ADHDers, I think, are seen as people that try to avoid the harsh reality. And in America, I think they're viewed as people that are trying to get accommodations, but kind of, you know, a leg up. That's the main difference, I think, uh, that I feel when I'm listening to... Polish podcasters, which are not many, uh, I might say there is actually one that is just centering ADHD. There was one, and now there is three, which and one of them is me. So 
you can imagine that the need to express things in your own set of values, in your own language, in your own, in your own reality is so, so important. Because as well, we don't have access to resources that are very current. Because books are kind of behind. If you don't speak English and you don't have internet, and that's a lot of people in Poland, you have no language for this. That's what part of the reason why I started the podcast. The podcast is mostly, you know, for me. I want to meet fun people, have amazing conversations and cry. That's my goal, right? But I know that, pe <laughs> I know that people will resonate with this and they are already resonating with this because having things said in your language, it makes it so much more easy to accept this about yourself. And, you know, if this is heard from people from other countries, the creators from other countries, it's it's more difficult to, you know, send the link to your grandma that doesn't speak English, right? But if you have a a book in Polish or, you know, an article or just a podcast that, you know, takes an hour to listen to and it's so, so, so much easier. But I am kidding you not. Right now in Poland, there are three podcasts about ADHD centered and they're all led by women. And one of them is me, it's two months old. And another one is, I think, one month old. And the other one has, is very good. It's, um, it has, uh, I think around 35 episodes about different topics and just it's very systematic, very, you know, uh, a good resource, but you know, just one resource, just, just one. And uh, <laughs> incidentally, Today I am publishing um, a, an interview with that first podcaster, and the topic of uh, our conversation is jealousy and uh, comparing yourselves. Because I think, you know, comparing yourself when you are a woman with ADHD is so easy, and and falling into a pit of jealousy it's it, it's a slippery slope. So I felt jealousy towards her because obviously it's not good to be a pioneer because that means, you know, there are no resources, but you get to be number one. And I did not get that. So I opened those emotions and I talked about them openly and freely because I really, really, really believe in the healing power of vulnerability and openness. I am opening it in a very safe way for me you know in my podcast on my terms but i'm talking about this because i i hear people on the our group well i read posts well i didn't succeed like you know my mom wanted me to or like my sister or uh, like <laughs> my mom's friend's daughter you know we if we don't have somebody to be compared to somebody will tell us well you're not like this or like that uh, so basically, to answer your question, <laughs> I see a lot of differences and mostly it's in values. And that's uh, why I think it's very, very important for people in all countries speaking all languages to have resources in their languages. Yeah. <laughs>
I think it's not just vulnerability. I think it's also curiosity. And that's one of the things I love about this, the, the art of conversation and just verbal processing, right? And why I feel like this, I, you know, what I stumbled into by just wanting to have conversations with other women about their experiences has snowballed for me into just this incredible learning experience because it's healing to share, it's healing to to have somebody share with you, but also just the curiosity, the overwhelming curiosity about why, right? So you're saying like, I'm jealous about another podcaster. Isn't it fascinating that I'm experiencing that? What's behind that, right? That sort of scientific mentality of like, what is what is the root of these emotions? And I think that's something that is unique. Oh, I don't know. To me, it's just bravado. <laughs> just emotional bravado. Well, uh, one of the best advice I was ever given to me by uh, somebody who was who was talking about um, social media content. So she was talking about like followers and how we can get really obsessed with followers and likes and and downloads or whatever metric we're using. And she said, you know, you, we it's we immediately compare ourselves to the people who are much more successful in any indus- in the in the industry in which we're in as a way to kind of. Uh, focus our motivation, right? It makes sense that we want to kind of focus uh, and grow and grow and grow because it's exciting and there's lots of dopamine. But she was like, it's really, it's a, it's a tremendously uh, pompous to think you can be as good as somebody who has been doing this for years when you've just started. And I'm like, yeah, that's fascinating. Like, where, why are we so, why do we, why are we so pompous? Where is that coming from? And I think there's, you know, we are very stubborn about our intellect and our, our expectations of ourselves too. And, but I think it's also about the excitement of chasing the number or chasing the metrics and, and the don't downloads and the likes, and it's going to keep us interested to constantly grow. And if we're not growing, stagnation is failure as far as I'm concerned. And that you know, talking about the American kind of drive and and the Protestant work ethic, and it's something we I feel like I talk about a lot on the podcast, right? Which is this idea that like asking for help in this culture is failure, right? Uh, and we have to figure out how to do it ourselves. We have to figure out how to do manage alone. Anything else, like the idea of community uh, and community support, feels like failure. And I think that has a lot to do with that sort of drive of the the you know the frontier mentality or whatever it is that idea of capitalism and that if you work hard enough, you will be rewarded and all of that. Like it's all intertwined. Um, but I think even when you were talking about the difference in term in terms of like the definition of prosperity and the de- definitions of success from one culture to the other, it still feels like ADHD is being is viewed as an excuse, right? That it's being viewed as trying to get away with something, no matter what. And that's where I think, you know, where that self, that negative self concept comes from, which is just like, am I, am I making an excuse? I feel like I am. Like, I feel like I'm constantly questioning what is happening here. And what, what is this even ADHD? Or is this just an excuse? Like, uh, you know, I, I think even even though there might be a tendency to dismiss it as because it's popular and everybody's getting diagnosed right now, so therefore it must be ingenuine um, or something else is happening. And it's, it's still like, I feel like I have that tendency all the time. I'm constantly questioning, what is this? Why are we all getting diagnosed with this? It's got to be something else. Maybe we are just lazy or traumatized or, you know, like I was like thinking about the fact that I'm like, I'm just an angry woman who is, you know, refusing to just get up and vacuum. (laughs) 
but you know, if I did, if I did just get up and vacuum, it would be good for my heart rate and you know, all those things. Like I, if I could just be satisfied, everything would be wonderful. So anyway, those are my thoughts that I, I was thinking as you were going, as you were talking, um, because it reminded me of that, that idea of like, why, having the curiosity and the wanting to know the why behind all of these behaviors in terms of like even what roots us in, in terms of what we chase after in terms of success. And like, you know, when you're talking about working 18 hour days and having to be in sales, which is my idea of hell, you know, um, and, and all of that, like what was the motivate? There had to have been some sort of motivation there that was keeping you from doing that, you know, or keeping you in that, work ethic, you know what I mean? Um, and, and like, how do we tap into the why in terms of when we are motivated and when we aren't? I don't know, I'm just rambling at this point. I feel like... <laughs> well, brainwashing helps tremendously. So, well, yeah, you know, right? <laughs> it's true. Well, and, and you know, they're keeping that carrot in front of your head with with that MLMs do right, which is, which is the idea that um, you just have to keep working and eventually you will be rewarded and you won't, you know, you never get rewarded in a pyramid scheme. Newsflash. Uh, only the person at the top gets rewarded. They are co-opting you. All right. Anyway, enough. <laughs> I get so enraged. When I was diagnosed with ADHD, it completely turned my world upside down. I looked back at so much of my life, my grades in school, my multiple careers and hobbies, my friendships, my marriage, motherhood, my relationship with food or my body, like all of this with a new lens. And it was overwhelming to say the least. If you've been diagnosed with ADHD and you're feeling blown away by this new insight into your brain and how it operates, I totally understand. I can help you begin to sort through this chaos, explore who you are and how your brain operates so you can finally start to lean into your strengths and begin to use them to your advantage moving forward. Together, we can work to identify what obstacles you've been facing and create strategies to help you start living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. Head over to womeninadhd.com coaching to book a 30-minute initial consult with me so we can figure out if my brand of one-on-one -on -one coaching is right for you. Again, that's womenandadhd.com slash coaching, and you can find that link in the episode show notes. Hey friend, if there's one thing I've learned about ADHD over the last few years is that we can thrive with the right combination of accountability, planning, coaching, and peer support. Knowing all this, I set out to create the ultimate all-in-one coaching and accountability community for adults with ADHD or learning disabilities. I knew I couldn't do it alone, so I joined forces with one of my favorite ADHD coaches, Alex Gilbert of Capable Consulting, and together we launched the ADHD Lounge. The lounge was created as a safe place for neurodivergent adults away from other social media, where we offer live group calls, co-working, and body doubling every weekday for accountability, focus, and skill development. We have weekly and monthly goal planning sessions to keep yourself on track. We also have one-on-one -on -one office hours with myself and Alex, and of course, friendship and lots of peer support. We have three different membership levels to meet you where you're at. So if you're looking for an affordable way to stay connected, productive, and accountable, while also having regular access to ADHD coaching and expertise, then make sure to come join me in the ADHDlounge.com. Again, that's the ADHDlounge.com. And as a listener of the Women in ADHD podcast, you can get 30% off your first month with the code PODCAST30. So head to the ADHDlounge.com and use the code PODCAST30 to get 30% off your first month. During the early days of my diagnosis, as I was 
deep into hyperfocus ADHD research mode, I kept searching for some kind of all-in-one, everything you ever needed to know about ADHD and women handbook that I could reference and keep at my fingertips, but I never really found anything that suited me. That's why I've taken everything I've learned about ADHD in women and adults who are socialized as girls, and I've gathered it into a concise, easy to access, self-guided and self-paced course so you can feel like you've got everything you need at your fingertips. It's called, Hey, it's ADHD, and it has everything you need to start loving your brain and living a more fulfilling, gratifying life. I built this course to be helpful wherever you are on your ADHD journey. I am so excited to finally be able to offer this course, and I truly hope this will help you develop a deeper understanding of your ADHD brain and how to embrace it as you build yourself a toolkit for your own life. So head over to womenandadhd.com and click on the Hey, It's ADHD course tab for more information and to get started. So I want to be mindful of the time because I do feel like I could listen to you forever. You're so articulate. And I mean, I think about the email you first sent me when you were talking about the story you said the stories are like hands that reach back in my past to soothe and shelter my younger self. It's almost as compassion was a quantum force that can travel back in time. I mean, oh my goodness, it's so so emotional and poetic to think about share the healing and the sharing. Oh, I guess let's cry. I don't know. No, I'm... can we have a crying break? <laughs> I'm crying. Oh, I think that, you know, late diagnosis makes sense. Like sometimes you think like, well, I'm this old. What, why does it make sense? But, you know, I, I'm just hearing that, you know, people learning about different disorders. Like yesterday I was uh, listening to a narcissist, a di- diagnosed narcissist that is trying to, you know, be better. And he was saying that, you know, he's spreading awareness about narcissism and even people sometimes are reaching out to him and they're saying they're, you know, they're 70 year old. A woman says that now she gets closure from her husband that is dead for 10 years. So is her whole life meaningless because she couldn't, you know, uh, be strong, leave him, something like if she reaches closure at 60 or 70, does it mean her whole life means nothing? Well, no. So this this closure and, you know, this quantum force of self-forgiveness, it it works both ways. Like it works in the future and it works in the past so that's another reason to get diagnosed even if you're 900 absolutely or i just keep questioning i think and having these conversations and and you know i think being kinder to ourselves <laughs> is also in- incredibly tremendous in healing and realizing that you know we're not alone and that there are many of us who are going through this and experiencing this regardless of where we were where we grew up um i think is incredibly healing you know pina adhd alien has done so much for the community oh my goodness um so shout out to her but i also know that you know i've i know that she also really really struggles with imposter syndrome and feeling very lonely in you know in we all are (laughs) just searching for the answers. I think something that we have in common. So I want to ask you before, before we talk about the podcast and and where people can find you and the podcast, uh, would you rename ADHD to something else? Uh, No, I would keep ADD, but I would just um, make it different words under the letters. So I would say it's arrhythmic dopamine distribution. 
Wow, I really like that. I don't know if anybody's used the D for dopamine before. I mean, we've definitely talked about dopamine. I, re- I really like that. And I really like keeping ADD too. It's just very efficient. <laughs> right. Yeah, because then, you know, you're kind of using it, using the thing that already exists, but reclaiming it. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking maybe, you know, a normal or abnormal dopamine distribution, but arrhythmic feels better to me because it's less pathologizing and still accurate. And we can still call it, you know, ADDD, like if you need a disorder, like cool. So it's like an ADD plus. The extra D is extra disordered. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's do that. <laughs> So I want people to, to at least anyone who can, I wish I could listen to your podcast. Uh, so maybe I'll try to download. How the, do you do transcripts? I mean, I tried to, well, I was reading some of the comments on your Facebook page through Google Translate, and it was hilarious because I was like, <laughs> I mean, it's that that's an AI that still has, needs a lot of work, but I was trying, I was trying to follow the thread. Um, do you have any Polish friends? No. I mean, maybe. Actually, I got to think about it. I don't have a lot of friends anymore. So, oh yeah, because you're not MLMing anymore. Think maybe there's, you know, something in your area. Like I don't know. Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think of if I can download it and and do it, translate, transcript. But for anybody who does, um, who can listen to your podcast, where can they find you, and where are you online? I'm on Spotify and I will just, maybe I will just spell it out because I believe that there are Polish women listening to you with such a big uh, Polish community in Canada and in the USA. So it's Kobiety ADHD and it's spelled K-O-B-I-E-T-Y I-A-D-H-D. So that translates to women and ADHD. So I'm, you know, ripping your idea of and I'm very happy that you're fine with this I asked you but after I already started it so it's like half cool I guess well I will say I've often said on the podcast the whole reason I called this women in ADHD because literally that's what I typed in the search bar uh when I was diagnosed and it just felt like that's what it should be called so I take no ownership over the brilliance of the name so it's very functional and efficient so um absolutely so I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, YouTube. Is like a, I don't know a bastard child of mine. I, I'm not really taking care of YouTube. I just started Instagram, but like I'm a boomer from Boomerland, and I just uh, I see no no future there. Like I mean, there is a future, I guess. My publicist says I should be doing this. I have a publicist, by the way. I don't know if you. That is impressive. We are both unpaid. Isn't that impressive? Um, <laughs> I always laugh when people email me and they talk about the team. They're like, dear team Katie. I'm like, there's no team. There's just me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did hire an editor, which was a, the best money I've ever spent. I finally offloaded my editing to the wonderful Emily. But that's like, other than that, there's no team. Well, I do have a team, so I'm, I'm very proud of myself for, you know, knowing my mistakes and knowing that most of them is just you know, uh, not hiring a team. So I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram for some kind of reason. I'm not on TikTok and that's a frontier I'm going to die on. I am on Spotify. You can listen to me on Spotify and on YouTube. And uh, please send me feedback because guys, like dopamine is, (laughs) 
I need my dopamine hits. Like m talking to those people is amazing, but then editing, I need some kind of reward. Please message me. I I hear you. I know. I was always uh, I was very much reliant on feedback. It, I mean, I still am. I still love it. But yeah, it's it's intense um, to to keep doing this to keep doing this work. But the con I I feel like the conversations alone are what like having this kind of conversation to me is so stimulating and so interesting. I mean, like, wh how did this become my life that I get to have conversations with women like you randomly, you know, and that was the whole reason I started the podcast was so I had an excuse to talk to women like you who who are just brilliant and fascinating and, and progressing the conversation around what even are we talking about. So I'm so grateful that that's what keeps me going. Honestly, everything else is just sort of this like busy work to get it out there so other people can hear these conversations. But uh, but I hear you. It is it is a hard, lonely slog sometimes <laughs> doing all of the uh, all the behind the the work. Thank you. <laughs> I'm happy somebody knows. <laughs> well, I am just so thrilled that you reach out to me. Thank you so much, and I love what you obviously love that you're advancing this conversation and serving women in your community and also serving yourself and your own personal journey and. So just, you're awesome. Thank you, Paulina. Thank you so much for, for answering my email. <laughs> I was so starstruck that I had to take my meds to just, you know, avoid paralysis because I was so happy. I knew I will just not answer to your email for a week if I don't take my meds immediately and answer immediately. So thank you for responding. Thank you for having me. This is absolutely a dream come true. And you know, my, my dream being famous are finally being realized. <laughs>there you have it. Thank you for listening. And I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the women and ADHD podcast. Also, you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. If you're a fan of the podcast, please take a moment to leave me a review on Apple podcasts or audible. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds right now to give me a five star rating. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this gift of neurodivergency. And they may still be struggling and don't even know why. And if you'd like to find out more about me and my one-on-one -on -one coaching for women with ADHD, head over to womenandadhd.com coaching. And you can always find that link in the show notes. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who discovered that she is not lazy or crazy or broken, but she has ADHD and she is now on the path to understanding her neurodiversity and finally using this gift to her advantage. Take care till then.